If you haven't got your Bibles with you, I want you to open up right now. I'm going to give you a chance to find it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, New Testament. Galatians chapter 5. Um, and while you're having a moment to, to uh, look that up, I'm going to uh, let you in on a little secret. And the secret is this. A pastor's life is very weird. Now, I didn't say that pastors are weird, though a lot of us are. I'm telling you that a pastor's life is very weird, and I'll tell you why. It's because that often um, we are invited into your lives at, at some of the um, most emotionally charged times. Uh, it could be marriage, it could be birth, it could be family dysfunction, it could be sickness, it could be, it could be death. And... Um, Knowing that, and I knew that that was the truth. I knew that uh, intellectually, I knew that when I accepted my call to ministry. What I didn't know was how it would affect me. Um, here's another little secret pastors are people too, meaning uh, we go through those emotionally charged uh, circumstances of life just like y'all do. We have marriages and births and family dysfunctions and sickness and death as well. So, meaning, Which means I've got my own stuff, or we've got our stuff that we have to deal with, but we also have the privilege and the responsibility of walking with you through your stuff. So the, the thing that um, a pastor needs to learn to do is to be present, but not own. Does that make sense? Be present with you as you're going through your stuff, but not own your stuff so that it becomes my stuff too, because that's, that can be very dangerous. So how, did I, how do I handle it? Well, when I was young, I didn't handle it very well, and I'll, tell you, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, I had been a pastor for just a few years uh, when I started going through some of that emotionally charged, some of those emotionally charged times that y'all go through too. I had, um, there were three people in my life, an uncle who died of Crohn's disease, uh, and then two grandparents who, who died all in the course of about six months. And as I said, I had been a pastor for a few years, and when, when I, I, I was sitting at home one day after the third person in my life that I loved had died, and all of a sudden I realized, shoot, I haven't cried once. And... I, I, I thought I had done such a good job of creating boundaries or walls, right? So that um, your, I wouldn't own the stuff that you guys are going through, that I, I, couldn't, I wouldn't let in the stuff that you guys are going through, that I couldn't even let my own stuff out. And it scared me to death. I thought, what am I going to do? How do I fix this? So I want you to hear what I'm saying today. I want you to hear that when you are in relationship with another human being, and we're in relationship with other human beings all the time, by the way, it's very appropriate to have boundaries. But it's even more appropriate, I would suggest to you, to have healthy and appropriate boundaries. The question is, what do healthy and appropriate boundaries look like? And how do we go about establishing them? Well, this morning, as we continue in our sermon series, uh, which you've been all hearing about, Soul Detox, and for those of you who maybe 
guests or visitors with us today or listening for the first time online, um, this whole series is about identifying um, the things in our lives that have a tendency to be toxic to our spiritual well-being. We talked about how words can have a tendency to be toxic to our spiritual well-being. They can, be, they can build us up or they can tear us down, right? We talked about how fear can be toxic to our spiritual well-being. Well, today we're going to talk about um, how relationships can be toxic. How relationships in the book, it's re- they're referred to as radioactive relationships. And we're going to talk about how to go about um, appropriately setting boundaries, especially in relationships that have maybe gone to the toxic place. Okay? So God speaks to us about everything, and this is one of those things that God is, is speaking some truth to us for. So, Hopefully you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 5 by now. Let me give you a little context for what uh, we're going to be looking at today, for what I believe God wants to reveal to us. First thing I want you to know, remind you of, is that Galatians, the book of Galatians, is what? It's actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. And this is what I want you to know about the church of Galatia. It's just like every other church that ever was in a lot of respects. It is um, filled with people, right? Um, It's filled with people who have come from different backgrounds, who have had different life experiences. Uh, In some respects, they had different worldviews. For example, the Church of Galatia had a group of people in it that came from a Jewish background or from a Jewish tradition. And uh, which, which affected everything. It was their worldview, right? It affected everything that they did. And one of the things in particular, because of, their, because of their background, because of their worldview, one of the things in particular that they were, that they were um, very um, sold out to was the concept of circumcision. Now, that seems like a strange thing to us to be... To be for circumcision to be a big deal to somebody, but let me tell you why it was a big deal to the the folks who had come from a Jewish worldview. Circumcision was a big deal to them because in a very real sense, it it was an example of the fact that they, as a people, had been set apart from other folks as the people of God. It was a symbol that they had been set apart as the people of God, that they were separate Uh, separated, that they belonged to God. That's a big deal. And what they wanted was, or what they believed, because it was such a big deal, even though they were Christians now, they were still Jewish. And they they believed that it was a good thing to bring this part of their worldview into their Christianity. That they believed that if you were a Christian, because Christianity grew grew out of Judaism, that, um, that every male who accepts Christ should be circumcised too. Now, here was the problem. There were a lot of people, just as there were people with a, a Jewish worldview in the Galatian church, there were also people who were Gentile, meaning they didn't come from a Jewish worldview. And they weren't nearly as excited about the whole concept of circumcision as the Jews were, especially the guys, if you know what I mean. And so there was this... There was this argument going back and forth they were they were they had different opinions but they were in conflict too in fact um the the conflict had reached 
the point of being toxic. So, it's with all that as a background that we come to the passage that I want y'all to be looking at today. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says this to them. He says, um, we ought to love one another the way, love your neighbor as you love yourself, basically. We ought to love one another the way we want to be loved. The whole law can be summed up in that, to, to love others as you would want to be loved. Now, the Apostle Paul was quoting Jesus, and, and Jesus, he, he act, actually the, the whole law is summed up in two commandments, right? Jesus says that uh, the first commandment is to um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, but, and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So those two need to go to hand in hand, but they, he was presuming that they already got that first part because they were Christians. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, what he was saying to them was this. It's all right as Christians to disagree once in a while. Because you do come from different worldviews and life experiences. It's going to happen. But when you disagree, when you find yourself in conflict, be Christian. Not rocket science, is it? It's all right to disagree. You're bound to disagree. But just be a Christian in the midst of it. Because, and then he goes on, and he says in verse 15, he says, because this biting and devouring one another will ultimately destroy you if you don't figure this out. So let's stop right there for just a second and analyze what it was in a practical sense what the Apostle Paul was saying to these folks who were in conflict, who were, found themselves in a, in a toxic relationship. Basically what he was providing for them were two things. First one was a, was a healthy and appropriate boundary. And the second was a exit ramp for those times when healthy and appropriate boundaries aren't possible. So what was the healthy and appropriate boundary that Paul was giving them? He says, love your neighbors, you love yourself. What does that really mean? Basically what he was saying is when you find yourself in relationship, respect one another. Be kind to one another. When you find yourself disagreeing and it's going to happen, respect each other. Be kind with to treat people the way you would want to be treated. I'm li now listen to me here. This is this is a, a truth of the Holy Spirit, I think. The truth is, if you get that one right, if you're if you respect each other and you're kind to one another when you disagree with one another and you treat people the way you would want to be treated, 90% of all your relationship problems will go away. Be 
You could go to counseling and spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on a psychologist telling you how to fix your, your marriage or your relationship with your kids or with your coworkers, and I just gave it to you with one sentence. Respect one another. Be kind to one another. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. 90% of your problems will go away. Well, maybe, Craig, but what about the other 10%, right? <laughs> That's what you're all thinking. What about the other 10%? Well, let me tell you. That's why, because there is another 10%, that's why when you find yourself in relationship with someone, especially if you have a sense that it's going to get toxic or conflicted to the point of toxic, you agree right up front that these are the rules of relationship. We're going to respect one another. We're going to be kind to one another. We're going to treat each other the way we would want to be treated. And if we can't do that, you take the exit ramp. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you find yourself, if either one of you who you're in a relationship with, if you find yourself um, where either of you can't be kind, respectful, and treating the other the way you don't want to be treated. What does it mean to take the exit ramp? Well, it might mean simply as taking a few minutes to, to cool off. That's okay. You give each other permission to do that. But it's possible you could be in a relationship with someone who's just not ever going to do that. And that may be the time when you need to say, no, we're done. Because I'm not going to participate in this toxicity anymore. Now, I'm going to say something to you. I, I'm, I hesitate to even say what I just said because of the culture in which we live, especially with regards to marriage relationships. I, I hesitate to say it because we so easily to say, well, oh, I, I'm just going to, I'm leaving you because, because you don't respect me. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you an excuse to get divorced. That, in fact, that's the last thing that I'm trying to do for you. But sometimes the best way to avoid divorce is to say, stop for a second. We need to have some appropriate boundaries. We need to treat each other this way. And if, if the other person in your life refuses to live according to those boundaries and it becomes abusive, God never intended you to be abused. God doesn't intend for you to be in toxic relationships. He wants you to fight for your relationships. But if people aren't willing to be kind and respectful and treat the other the way, then you have to ask yourself the question, is it time to take a and again, hear me, hear what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that anybody ever use this for an excuse for divorce. Relationships, especially marriage relationships, are worth fighting for. But get those boundaries in place because it'll make a huge difference. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you another little secret. Being in a relationship is messy and it's hard. And to be quite honest with you, 
trying to be in a healthy relationship with somebody without first having a relationship with Jesus is really hard. Why? Because we are a sinful, broken mess, human beings. And the only hope that we have of really being healthy and having whole, healthy relationships is to first have relationship with Jesus. So if you're going to go out and try to figure out how to fix this toxic relationship you find yourself in right now, my suggestion is that you fix the, the relationship you have with Jesus first. Start there. And then go and work on that, those toxic relationships that you find yourself in. Because Jesus is the one that will give you hope. Jesus is the one that will give you strength. He's the one that will give you clarity. That's the other part of it. You know, we get, we find our, we get, we get into these emotional situations, relationships, and we, it's difficult for us to see. See what the truth is, what reality is. Jesus will help you to do that. So, you can say that I'm just saying that because I'm the preacher. Maybe I am, but it's the truth. Get your relationship with Jesus right first. And then go work on those relationships that feel so toxic. I don't know. Anybody find themselves in a toxic relationship right now? My guess is you, some of you are, if not all of you. If that's you, if that describes a relationship or some relationships in your life, today is the day to begin establishing some healthy and appropriate boundaries. But for that to happen, you need to first establish your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to be standing right over there, right with that open door over there is the prayer room. If any of you would like a prayer with your pastor to accept Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, I, I would love, I would be privileged to pray that prayer with you today. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in the midst of a toxic relationship and you want somebody to pray with you on behalf of that relationship. I would be honored to pray that prayer with you today. Maybe there's something else going on. Whatever it is, if you need a prayer with your pastor, I'll be right over there. Stand and join us. Let's build our lives on Christ so that we can further edify one another and learn to love as he loves.
bow your heads and pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your love we can stand, we can stand together, we can stand firm, and no matter what happens in this life, we won't be shaken. And Lord, even though it's hard to maintain relationships with one another, we know that because you have extended grace to us, we can extend grace to one another. In fact, we can even go into the world and extend grace to a world that desperately needs hope. They need to hear your gospel, Jesus. They need to hear the good news that because of your death and resurrection, the world can truly be one again with the same maker and creator. That's the message of hope we want to bring. Please, Lord, empower us to do this. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. Please go in peace.